Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton. And, I mean, like, good Pistons game yesterday. But I'm not happy with the Detroit Tigers, and I'm really not happy with Chris Illich again. Just remember, like, the days six, seven years ago, you're sitting there. In the beginning of the offseason, you're like, what's going to happen? What is Dombrowski going to do? What is Mike going to put his money on? And it was like that for like 10 years. And the expectation was World Series, World Series, World Series. And I just remember the days where they signed Prince Fielder, Johannes Cespedes. They made a splash at Scherzer at one point, which wasn't really a splash, but they made some good moves through the years that you looked at and you're like, this is a fun off season. I haven't had a fun off season in so long. And I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of none of the money getting spent. Chris, you inherited all of Mike's money. It's not like you're throwing all the money at hockey. You're throwing no money anywhere. And we're at a place right now where when you thought you traded Verlander a couple of years back, you thought, okay, we're three, four years away from potentially being something. Now you're going to be a decade away. You're going to go a decade of dead baseball in Detroit. A decade of just horrible, horrible, horrible baseball night in and night out. Every night, they find a new way to lose in the last seven years. At some point, if you're Chris Illich, have some respect for yourself. You're the most losing owner in the city right now, in a city full of losing owners. You're one of the worst owners in all of pro sports. I don't think many owners would sit there and be happy with being a, about a 400 win percentage. And especially in a sport where it's really hard to be a, around 400. You have to have some respect for yourself, Chris. You, you can't sit here, hire a top-notch GM, and tell him, hey, tear this apart, we're going to rebuild again for another four or five years. Because I'm tired of it. I seriously am tired of it. Every single meal, every single move that Avila touched went to shit. And unfortunately, Sky Harris is the guy who has to clean up that mess. And if Sky Harris cleans up that mess and somehow wins a World Series, he's getting a statue in Detroit. But what can Scott Harris even do if you don't give him a checkbook to work with? Because in a game of baseball, the sports won off of spending money. They always say baseball money is like no other money. The Yankees are always spent the most amount of money in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the early 2000s. You look at the Yankees and all the World Series, top checkbook. Look at pretty much every World Series winner outside of Tampa Bay in the last, like, 20 years. And they're an anomaly. They spent a lot of money on pitching. They spent a lot of money on hitting. And they're on a top five payroll, top 10 payroll. You can't win in baseball if you don't open up your books. And at, at this point, you know, you're you're looking at the Yankees. They they opened up the checkbook and got Aaron Judge back. The Mets, they spend money. And the Mets were really in the Tigers' place for a very long time. Steve Cohen has really put his money where his mouth is. And he's a great, I think he's a great ambassador for, for baseball. I think he's a great person for the sport. But I, when I watch the Mets, it's like 
you look at those teams and they're having off seasons where they're signing top free agents. They're making smart strategic moves to win because their GM is working with a checkbook. I'm sorry, but if this Scott Harris experiment fails in Detroit, it's going to be on Chris Illich. And it's going to be on the fact that he didn't spend. End of the story. I, I will sit here and if Scott Harris starts making more bad contract moves like he did with Matt Boyd, you know, I'm coming on here all mad, pissed off about it. And you you also got to look at some of the moves that he makes some of your last moves. You know, seriously, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be pissed. But at the end of the day, if this guy's making smart moves and this team can't win a ring, that's on Chris Illich. End of the story. Point blank end of the story. He's the worst owner in all of Detroit. He's probably a top five worst owner in pro sports right now. And that's a very hard accomplishment to achieve so early in your owning career. It's crazy to me how somebody can sit there and have zero respect for himself. Doesn't care. He, he makes it known that like he doesn't care. At least like Sheila, at least she's acting like it. She might actually care, unlike her parents, but she's actually making an attempt to pretend she cares. I just keep remembering, and I keep, it keeps flashing back to me, that press conference at trade the after trade deadline um, when, they, when he said he was going to stick with Avila through the deadline. Obviously, they pulled the plug like two weeks after, but it was basically like he had no idea what he was saying. He was sitting there just spewing bullshit. And he thought, I think he truly believed what he was saying. We have good young pitchers. No, we don't. We have a lot of talent in our farm system ready to come up. No, we don't. He was literally a puppet to Avila. And when I thought he fired Avila, maybe he was going to show a little bit of just, I care just a tiny bit about this organization into him. But I mean, it's clear he doesn't because he's not willing to fix this overnight. In a sport where you can fix it overnight. I want to move into Michigan State football, basketball. They match up against Penn State tonight. That was one of the most brutal games I've watched in a while for Michigan State on Monday night. They were out physical or Sunday night. They were just out physical. They were outplayed, outcoached. Everything about that Northwestern game that you thought could go wrong went wrong. They would open up as four-point underdogs against Penn State. I know Vegas never likes Big Ten road games, so that's about spread I would have expected for this game. I'm just sick and tired of just this garbage nonsense that's coming on the court. And I know this is going to be the entire year. But if you're willing to play smartest man in the room and you fail at it, you deserve to be criticized, Izzo. Your team started off looking like a team with nine guys that can take that are fight that fight hard, that play with a lot of energy, that can score the ball well in the paint. Sissoko, I don't even know what the guy is anymore. I don't know if this guy is going to be really good like he was against Kentucky and Gonzaga, or he's going to be bad like he's been the last four or five games. And unfortunately, the season rides on Sissoko. That's the problem. That he doesn't play well, the team doesn't play well because nobody can sit behind him and come in and play well. I do like AJ coming off the bench 
Um, that was one of the better things I, I, I think Izzo has done so far. You need somebody that can come off the bench and score, and he did that. They obviously lost. I actually am not opposed to it, and if he finishes the game on the floor, awesome. But I do like Hogar coming off just to spark something for this because Holloman can't spark the bench. You shouldn't be playing a guy who's afraid to shoot a three-ball wide open. I've seen him have like six or seven looks this year, like with nobody near him. And he either dribbled it in, they picked him up and he passed it out, or he just swung it for an extra pass. Trey Holloman has no confidence in his own jumper. You shouldn't be starting at a division one level, let alone at the big 10 level. You should not be playing. If you can't shoot a three ball at the point guard position, if you're not willing to just take a wide open one. Miss it. I don't care if you miss it. it. It's disturbing that he thought this freshman class was so ready, but I watched just a tiny bit of film on the, some of these guys, and it was evident to me they weren't ready in this offseason. In a month that you're supposed to be 5-0, and you're not 0-1 and 0-1 in Big Ten ball. You can't drop to 0-2 in Big Ten ball tonight. You can't, you can't, you can't. I, I, I can't sit here and believe an Izzo team peaked in November and didn't peak in March or February. I refuse to believe that's going to be our season that we peaked in the Gonzaga game and the Kentucky game. I don't know if this team's just very tired from all these big games or they're just not a good group. I think it's a mix of both at this point. And if they get blown out tonight, it's not going to be pretty sight on Friday when I hop on here. Because, I mean, this month, if you start 0-2 and, and you finish this month 3-2, and 2, I will go ballistic. You have a very easy month ahead of you. Tonight, I, I expect them to win. I think they will. Penn State's a weird place to play at because they don't pack the place. It's just an eerie environment is what I've heard. It's like one of the harder places to play because it's just silent in there. It's like a practice facility is what I've kind of heard. So Penn State will be very, very interesting tonight. I think it'll be a close one for sure. But I do think the Sparties come out on top and win this game. I want to move into a little bit of Pistons talk. The New York Knicks have actually put Cam Reddish up on the market. And I'm very interested in Cam Reddish. Trade Sadiq and Hami for Reddish? I mean, I don't know if that's a horrible trade on the other end for the Knicks. Maybe throwing a few seconds in there. Though I'm not really comfortable trading early draft picks right now. I would like to see an, an athletic D wing player. We don't have an athletic wing that can clamp up some defense. That's our issue right now. I think that Reddish... If he were to come on the Pistons, you're automatically like six games better if you were to keep Boyan around and everybody else around. He's a huge upgrade from Sadiq Bay. We need an upgrade from Sadiq Bay. You you just do. That's a guy who is a small upgrade, but he makes your team better. I don't want him. I want to move in the last night. The bench, since they've been healthy, has looked substantially better than they did in the beginning of the season. That's the only thing that's improved this season. 
I mean, they came out there. I, I, at one point, I saw they had like almost 50 bench points. I think they finished. Let's see how many they finished at. I mean, last night, let, let's just look. Sadiq Bay, 31 minutes, posted 14 points. He actually looked good last time. Corey Joseph posted 11. Alec Burks posted 18 off the bench, and Kevin Knox with seven, and Durham with four. Great bench effort. Bagley looked pretty bad last night. I'm glad that the bench came in, did their job. Stu has actually looked decent as of lately. I just want to see some consistency with the guy. Either just be consistently bad or consistently good. I need to figure this out. Because I'm just sick and tired of the guy coming in one night and he looks like he can be around next year and maybe long term. And then there's nights like, I don't know, like three nights ago against the Grizzlies where it was like, why is he on the court? What is he bringing to the table? It's just, it, he's such an interesting, weird player to me. I think he's trying to fit in with this group, and he's trying to find a spot on this roster ne- next year and for the years to come. It's just hard for me to believe that this guy's a long-term asset. I've always said that about Sadiq, too. Obviously, Sadiq's on his way out now. I'm actually curious what Boyan's trade value truly is, the way he's been playing. Last night, 31-piece. He's going to be gone at deadline is my guess. I mean, if you didn't bring on Boyan this year, I don't think this team has four wins right now. And they have seven with him. I think it's trade value. I, I think you can realistically get a first and potentially like a solid player, solid role player in return, like a bench, bench young role player. I, I can't think of somebody off the top of my head. Because I don't know who would pursue Boyan right now and who has the money to do so. I do think a team that really takes a look at Sadiq Bay will be the Warriors. There's no way that the Warriors don't take a look at him. He kind of fits their system well. It would be a good bench asset for them for a team that's struggling right now. But at the end of the day, you got to look at Boyan's trade value. You're going to get a first and you're going to get a player with it a younger side player with a high upside. I think that tonight will be a blowout loss. It's very, very, very hard to win back-to-backs traveling, especially with a young group like this that's kind of banged up right now a little bit, not really. But, I mean, you're down livers and you're down Cade right now. You're down you know, too solid. You're down your best player and you're down your seventh, eighth man. So you're going to lose tonight. There's no way. Vegas hates Detroit tonight, 11-point um, underdogs. And, I mean, the Pelicans are winners of AL last time, four-game winning streak in the two-seed in the West. What I want to see tonight is I just want to see some chemistry get built between Killian and Ivy. You know, obviously, I was saying all year, you, you got to see the the chemistry between Killian and Kate. Well, obviously, now you're down Kate the rest of the season. So you got to see what Killian and Ivy can do together because those are guys that are going to run a lot of tick together down the stretch in big minutes next year. You're going to see both of them on the floor together a lot. So I want to see that chemistry continue to get built tonight because Killian looked so good without him. And since since Ivy's came back, Killian's taking a step back. So I got to see something from both of them. Let's talk about the Lions. We're going to win tonight. 
We're going to win on Sunday. I'm telling you right now, the Lions will win on Sunday. I'm all in. I bought in. I'm chugging all the Kool-Aid. I think at this point in the season, everybody's keeping their eyes on the Lions nationally. Vegas loves you. You're two and a half point favorites at home against the Vikings, a team you nearly beat early in the season. The most fraudulent 10 and two team in the NFL. The Lions will win on Sunday. We're healthy. And a healthy Lions team equals a successful group. And they've been really good lately since they've been getting all their guys back. And now you're probably close to 100%. So I expect a win. I, I truly will sit here all week and say it. This was a completely different group than they were seven weeks ago. I don't know. And I think the turning point of the season was firing Audrey Pleasant. Because from that day on, the Lions didn't really lose. They lost that one Buffalo game since then. It leads me to believe that Campbell might have a vision. Campbell might have a direction. Holmes clearly has a direction. Holmes clearly has a vision. And I'm very excited to see what Holmes can do with this group. But I truly do think that Campbell is the guy. Easily for next year. And could be a coach of the year candidate if he continues to win the way he's been the rest of the way. Because this turnaround, I didn't expect in a million years. I thought this guy was incapable of it. He's an interesting dude. I think guys are going to want to play for him this offseason. And you're going to see a lot of guys lined up ready to sign with Detroit. Because all you really needed was a coach that you, nationally everybody sees the culture. You saw it in hard knocks. You're going to continue, you hear about it, you continue to hear about it in the media, and players in the league talk. They all talk. So at the end of the day, if everybody's talking, everybody likes playing for Detroit, people want to play for Holmes. Or Holmes is going to bring in the right guys. I truly think this offseason will be a very interesting one. There's a lot of decisions to be made. You got to make a decision between Jamal and Swift or both. If I were to choose one or the other, I got to choose Jamal because of Swift's health, even though Swift is better. Swift looked like an animal last Sunday, and I expect him to look like, look like an animal this Sunday. I expect Goff to continue to play good, smart football the rest of the way. I am going to sit here. I'm going to continue to say it. This will be a win. I promise you that. I think Campbell's going to have him ready on Sunday. He's going to have him so ready. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think they win by two possessions. They're going to show the nation that the Vikings are frauds and we're the next team up in the NFL. This is the week to prove it. you got to win this week. Because we're a horrible road team. Campbell's won one road game as a head coach with Detroit. That's a little concerning to me. That's just a little concerning to me, and it's always in the back of my head. Like, you got Carolina on the road, one of the worst teams in the league. I kind of just automatically expect to win there. It just all boils down to Green Bay. That if you lose this week, you have to win in Green Bay. Nine wins might be enough to get you in, because I'm looking at the schedule, and the 49ers, you know, now they're starting Brock Purdy, and they have a pretty tough schedule left. They have eight wins. There's a realistic chance they can finish with nine. And I think they're only winnable game the rest of the way. They have two winnable games. That's the Raiders on the road. 
and that's the Cardinals. But if you lose the next three weeks, you're on a three-game losing streak. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the 49ers schedule the rest of the way. That could be a team that can slip. But then again, you have the best defense in the NFL. And as long as that defense has like three weeks where they let up less than 14 points, they'll win three games. That's just where I'm at with it. Like if there's any team that's going to fall out, it's either going to be the commanders or it's going to be the 49ers. The Giants will get in. I think they're awful, but they'll get in. I think the, the, the commanders are even worse. The last segment I want to go to today is Mozzie Smith. I want to just revisit this. All the details are out now. Harbaugh looks like a piece of shit, as I've always said, as everybody's always known. The prosecutor, he looks like an idiot, too. We're going to prosecute all the guns and all that. He was all about that. And then you you don't even charge a Michigan football player because it's against your own interest. For Harbaugh's immediate reaction to be that, either Mozzie was lying to him or Harbaugh didn't do his homework to look into it. Because all Harbaugh could have asked for was a police report. Mozzie clearly lied. Or Harbaugh's just a complete dickhead, like we all know. And it's probably both. And he's so arrogant that that's his immediate reaction. He's a good kid. Might be a decent kid. But at the end of the day, it's hard for the public to believe that when you've had a million issues and you have no word if you're Jim Harbaugh. It's very hard for the public to believe that when all the details are out now and the details are not pretty. Going 15 and 25 with a loaded gun and a lot, a lot of ammunition. It's a bad luck. It's a very bad luck to Michigan. And if Michigan doesn't suspend him, I I truly think that athletic department, everybody should go. Everybody should go. But this just bleeds into the, the Michigan culture. It's just what they are. It's who they are. It's what they do. It's how they talk about themselves. It's how they move. That's just the Michigan culture. So. I don't expect much either on the flip side. I'll be back again on Friday, potentially having Grant back on, preview the weekend, talk about the state game tonight, talk about the Pistons, preview Pistons game on Friday too. We have a lot coming up on Friday. See you guys then, and go green tonight.